One of the, uh, there's a couple of things that are common to the beginning of a new year. One is the uh, increase in Jenny Craig and Light and Easy commercials on television. Um, and the, the other is, and they're very much tied to that, is this idea of New Year's resolutions. Not a new concept. Um, and chances are some of you may have made some New Year's resolutions as you've stepped into 2018. When you think about it, New Year's resolutions are really actually New You resolutions. And they're really focused around this idea and this hope for better. That in this new year, uh, I hope for a better year. I hope for better experiences. I hope to do better things. I hope to even be a better person. And you might start to kind of pixelate that and, and make a list of things you're gonna work on or things you're gonna angle your attention to this morning. And so the question I wanna ask today, our first Sunday of 2018 is what do you want? It's a real simple question and a real fundamental question. What do you want? And for some of you, it's a thing. You, you've, you've come into 2018, it's a thing. It could be a, a new job, it could be a new car. If I was Oprah, you'd all be going home with a new car, but I'm not, so you're not. But you, sorry about that, just how it is, not yet. Some of you, it's, it's, it's maybe a who this year. It may be about new friends, maybe about better friends. It may be about finding that person, which by the way, it's unlikely there's only one person in seven billion that's the only person. And if you don't find them sucked in, it sucks to be you. That's a message for another time. I don't think God's that cruel. Whatever it is, I actually don't wanna focus on the thing, the object today. In fact, what I want to do is, is peel back the curtain and actually look at some of the, the values that inform our, our decisions. Some of, the, some of the things that actually uh, drive our focus towards certain things. Because if we don't take the time to look at the values, we may actually end up wanting the wrong things and focusing on the wrong things. In 21st century Western culture, because we're so enveloped with uh, common mediums these days, we don't live in little isolated communities. We now have very uh, strong, common, global uh, Western influences. Uh, it's quite likely that, that, that many of us actually make some of our choices and fix our attention on certain things based on similar values and similar motives to the person next to us, even if we've had no contact prior to meeting them. So I just wanna look at some of those, those values and hopefully in doing that today as we launch this series, um, it'll start to allow God to, to, to reorient some of the areas we may have gotten off track, to, to recalibrate True North for, for some of us. And so one of the, the values, one of the, the things that, that people want in 21st century Western society is, is I want my way. And chances are you have worked with or potentially worked for somebody. This was a big value for them. 
And, and you've sat through meetings where they have screamed and ranted and banged the table and not budged or flinched because they wanted their way. And that was the only way. Some of you have had friends that have been that way. You've, you've tried to kind of, you know, have a little bit of give and take in your friendship and, and they're not having it. It's gonna be their way or no way. And they'd rather send you on a guilt trip than compromise and give in and, and meet somewhere in the middle. Some of you have been in a relationship where the person you were dating or married to always and only wanted their way. And what you will discover if this is a value that you wanna live out in your life is that you may win the argument, but you will not have a rich and fulfilling life because if you only ever want your way, then at every junction where this becomes an intersection, and you choose your way as being the only way, you will ultimately erode the relationships of the people around you. Yet, this is what some people want in 21st century Western society. Here's one. I wanna do what I wanna do. We could, we could spin it a few ways. I only am gonna do the things that I wanna do. Now, uh, those of you that have been orbiting around Elevate for a while know that I very rarely uh, give parenting tips, um, but I gave one last week and, and it went over so well that, that I, I think I'm on a roll. So I'm gonna give you another one today. If you missed last week, you go and listen to the podcast, catch up and it'll change your life as a parent um, every Christmas. But here's the thing. If, you, if you're a parent of, of younger kids, pre-primary or maybe in, in primary, uh, what I need to let you know, what you may not yet be aware of, is there will come a time when you will ask of uh, your child, uh, you will ask them to perform a task. You, you will ask them to brush their teeth. Uh, you will ask them to clean their room. You will ask them to take uh, their dirty uh, plate and cutlery from the dining table and, and put it in the dishwasher. And by the way, uh, there comes a, a time when your kids, they will, they will have it in their brain imprinted somehow that the distance from the dining table to the dishwasher is similar to the distance from Perth to Sydney. And it's just not possible to take a plate and cutlery all that way. And, 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 and mom and dad, you're just cruel, it's unconscionable. But there will come a time, it's, it's about when your kids are about this big, this, about, when they're about this tall, you'll ask them to do one of these uh, routine tasks and they've been willing to do that up to this point in their, in their, in their growth, but, but they're now this tall and you ask them to do one of these tasks and it's very likely that you will hear these words emanate from their mouth. Do I have to? Now, here's, here's, here's my parenting tip. This is what you do. So you ask little Susie, little Johnny, or middle, medium-sized Johnny and Susie, ask them to do something and, and they come back with the, do I have to? This is what you do. You say, no. No, you don't. You, you're this tall now. When you get to be this tall, no one could actually make you do things that you don't want to do. In fact, when you get to be this tall, see, there was a time, it was sort of your grandparents' time where there was ways to make people this tall do what they didn't want to do, but most of them are illegal or, or these days or strongly discouraged. And so 
no, I can't do them. And so, so, so the answer to the question, do I have to, is, is this? No, no, you, you don't have to. Uh, but here's what you need to understand, though. Um, when you get to be this tall and, and, and above that, um, no one can make you do what you don't want to do. Um, they can only take things from you. And uh, this is actually how the prison system works. The prisons around the world are full of people who only did what they wanted to do. And because no one could make them not do them, we decided we put them in a place where we could just take things away from them. So yeah, sure, you don't have to do it, but just understand, that's how the prison system works. That's my parenting tip of the day. <laughs> now you know why I don't give parenting tips very often, but some of, you, some of you, I think you should write that down. Here's another one that informs a lot of people's decision-making and wants is, I want perpetual pleasure. Now, this word, this fourth word, the P word, it's a bit controversial. I, I racked my brains to think of a, a different word to use because I know when you put up that word pleasure, everyone's mind goes to the exact same thing. I get it, binging on Netflix. But, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> but the, the reality is in 21st century Western culture is we, we've prioritized, we prioritize food and vacations and sex and, and, and hobbies and certain illegal things even from time to time. And they become the focus of what we want. When we ask the question, what do I, we actually say, I want pleasure and, and fill in the blanks. The problem with always getting the pleasure you're looking for, there's really, there's two problems. Number one, it actually wears a little off a little bit the more you get of it. You can actually have too much of a good thing. Um, Christmas Day, I'm married to Louisa Pizzolanti. We were 20 years on Wednesday, married 20 years on Wednesday. I know, I know, I know, I know, 20 years, I know. Obviously, child groom. Anyway, um, what? Anyway, scratch that from the podcast, please. And, um, and please escort her from the building. Um, so, uh, so Louisa is a full-blooded Italian, Australian-born, but her, her, both of her parents migrated from Italy. And, and if you don't un understand the Italian migrant culture, they're known for an abundance or an overabundance of food, okay? Um, when, you, when you gather, whatever the, the gathering is. Now, I learned at a very early stage in our relationship, and by the way, I learned the hard way, that you don't come to Christmas lunch with, with fixed, rigid, wasted pants. That, that, that one must wear pants with some form of elastic kind of in, inherent ability um, because just the, the food is abundant and you actually make the, the hosts happier the more you eat. You know, Aussies, no, Aussies are like, geez, I can't believe they're going back for thirds bloody pig. Um, but Italians are like, thirds, ah, oh, I love you, I love you, have a fourth. And uh, which is, anyway, I learned the hard way. I stopped doing that and I, I have a very uh, considered amount of food these days, but not everyone does. And everyone, even the people that have been doing it for decades. Christmas lunch started about this year, about 12.30. By 3 p.m., it was like a war zone. There were bodies littered everywhere. Everyone was in a food coma. 
Kids were outside like Lord of the Flies, sugared up, going crazy. <laughs> it's because one little bit of lasagna followed by one nice slice of porchetta with a little bit of uh, nice roasted vegetables and maybe a little slice of, of some form of sweets, beautiful. But four of each and four of each and four of each, it, it's not so good. See, too much pleasure can actually be a bad thing. And, and another thing of always getting perpetual pleasure, and this particularly comes in the area of hobbies, is they can start to control you. And, and I've known married couples where there's actually become a level of emotional separation and the wedge came from a hobby that one of the people in the relationship took up and the hobby started to become all-consuming. It started to consume their time and attention and finances and uh, we just need to be careful about wanting perpetual pleasure. Now, I ask the question, what do you want? And I'm gonna understand some of you will have rolled into 2018 and you have an answer. Some of you maybe not yet, you're a little bit fuzzy, but here's one thing I know. Whatever it is you want, chances are you want it now. Because we discover at an early age that uh, later is longer. <laughs> and we don't like waiting. And we kind <clears> of, <throat> and we like to get what we want and not just get what we want, but we like to get what we want and, and get it now. But have you ever got something you wanted only to discover some point later on that it wasn't really what you wanted and you would like to be able to go back and not get what you wanted? That I just had to have that now. I just had to have him now, I just had to take that opportunity now. And my caution here is just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. There needs to be some wisdom and some discernment along the way. And high school reunions highlight this, especially for the ladies. Let's say you go to your 20 year high school reunion. This is the ladies I'm talking to. Your 20 year high school reunion. And this guy comes like a heat-seeking missile up to you. And, and you, you look at him, you don't recognize him. And you look at his name badge and it says, Dennis. And you think to yourself, hmm, okay. I remember a guy named Dennis. He was pretty hot. He was pretty shredded. I, I used to, I remember Dennis. I used to pray to God that, that, that God would make Dennis notice me. And uh, this guy, he's obviously stolen Dennis's name tag because this is not the Dennis I remember. Yeah, but he knows you and he's come straight for you and now he's, 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 you've got his attention and uh, you're just standing there and you've got to kind of say something. So you say, uh, wow, you've matured. Uh, and, uh, and but what your brain is saying is you're thanking God for unanswered prayers. And some of these values behind what we want can lead to this big thing, the R word, regret. Because regrets always start with, I want, and always end with, I wish I could go back to a time and not have gotten what I wanted. I wish I could go back in time and not say, I do. I wish I could go back in time and not take that job. 
I wish I could go back in time and not hang out with those friends. And so this is why this series we're launching today is not actually called How to Get What You Want. Because some of you, (laughs) I don't want you to get what you want. And we're deliberately calling this How to Get What You Really Want to pull back the curtain. And today's message, we've just called Be Careful What You Want For. And, And today really is just an extended trailer for the next three weeks. And so if I can encourage you to do one thing this January is commit to being here for the next three weeks. Even if you're a first time guest, you're here today, which by the way, those of you here for the first time today, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. I wanna encourage you to commit to be here for these four weeks because we're gonna take a journey together to, to, to try and narrow in and zero in on how you and I can get what we really want. Now, if I was to say to you tomorrow that, um, that uh, all of the major news sites and all, all of the, the, the web kind of major sources of news uh, are gonna be publishing a, a letter that they just discovered that was written by the brother of Jesus. And it's been verified that it really was written by the brother of Jesus, a guy named James. The letter is gonna be published tomorrow. I imagine even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be interested in reading that. Like a guy that actually grew up in the same house as Jesus 2,000 years ago, and he wrote a letter. That would make for some interesting reading, right? Well, here's the deal. There is such a letter. Jesus' brother is a guy named James, and 2,000 years ago, he wrote a letter. It's now included in the Bible. And uh, we can read it anytime we want. And I actually want to look at a little part of James's letter this morning. And if you've got our Elevate app or you can quickly download it if you want to, and you tap the Bible tab on the home screen, it'll take you to a slice of James's letter. Now, the interesting thing about James is he, wasn't, he was Jesus' brother, but while Jesus was on this earth, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. Jesus had his 12 inner circle followers. James wasn't one of them. In fact, James didn't, didn't kind of buy the whole Jesus is the son of God thing because they had the same mom. And so it's like, what? You, no. And, and James became a follower of Jesus, actually eventually called Jesus his Lord. And despite being late to the game, the, re- the thing that shifted for James is, is James, not only, it wasn't living with Jesus that was the game changer, it was actually seeing Jesus after he'd risen from the dead that changed the game for James. And James actually became a leader in the early church from that moment on. And he wrote this letter. And unlike some of the other letters that we read in the Bible, this one wasn't written to a certain group in a certain city. This was written to to, to Jesus' followers in general. And we can read that. And I wanna just drill into a little slice of that letter because 2,000 years ago, James understood that this idea of what we want can be problematic. It was problematic then and it can be problematic now. And he started actually with a question and this is what he said. What, <laughs> what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? James is saying that inside of us, there's a war of wants. And, those, and, those, and that war of wants, it can build and build 
and overflow and start to affect the people around us. Do you know that at its core, an argument is about two people trying to get what they want? <laughs> James said, you, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, which means to have things, to, to want things you, you don't yet have, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and fight. This, this, is, this is fascinating to me. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Now, I'm hoping most of you haven't killed someone recently, okay? But don't think, therefore, that this doesn't apply to you because how many of you know of a married couple where maybe one or even both were trying to get what they wanted and they just pressured and pressured and pressured and pressured and in the end, killed the marriage. Right now, we're in a, we're in a time seemingly more than ever, at least it's coming out more than ever, of business leaders and media leaders and political leaders going after what they wanted which when it was inappropriate and killing off their careers, not to mention the damage they've done to the people along the way. I, I, I watch young, younger people, 20-somethings in particular, not all, but some, even 30-somethings, some, spending all their money on what they want and killing the opportunity to buy their own home, killing their opportunity to maybe launch a business, being so crushed with debt that they kill future and dreams and possibilities. This war of wants can cause us to kill. And so in summary, <laughs> and here's the great news, boys and girls, getting what we want can be a problem and not getting what we want can be a problem. So welcome to the 2018. Great to have you here. Have a great week. <laughs> But that's why this isn't called how to get what you want. We're calling this series how to get what you really want. Because too many people are focused on the here and the now and what they want and what's before them and what they can hold and what they can buy and what they can, can grab and not actually look beyond that and not actually focus on what they really want. And I'm gonna talk in week three about why that is. But the spoiler is the stuff that we really want, it's not very sexy. It's not very marketable because marketing, marketing's focused on telling you what you should want or cashing in on what you already want and getting you to focus on that to where you actually spend some money on that. But there's a realm beyond that that God wants us to focus our attention on. So James says, you don't have because you don't ask God, which is just like straight up telling like it is. And yet, some of you who are followers of Jesus, you might read this from James and say, well, you don't know that. That's not true for me. Or it might be true. And the reason you haven't asked God is like, you know, when you grew up and your friend says to you, have you asked your parents yet? And you go, no. And they say, well, why? And you go, well, they're just gonna say no. So you don't even ask. And some of you see God that way. Some of your requests. Have you asked God yet? 
No. Well, why not? Well, he's just going to say no. But some of you, you read this and you go, yeah, James, brother of Jesus, call him BS on that, mate. You don't know anything because I have asked God and he ain't come through. So James kept writing, so you should keep reading. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Your motive is that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, putting, on, putting my two years of Bible college to good use, this phrase, wrong motives, it really, the original kind of James, he didn't really write wrong motives, but Bible translators haven't kind of been able to agree on one kind of universal, this is one version that says wrong motives. Really, the, 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 the original word that James wrote, and, and this is the problem, it, it, it translates real clunky. And so, it, it, but, but if it was super literal, it would read like this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask badly. That's the word. You, you may be asking God for things, but you're asking badly. It, you, you, you're actually asking bad questions. You're actually asking for things that, 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 that aren't gonna actually be of the most benefit to you. And, and the reason that God's not saying yes to some of you is, is because He wants more for you. But, but, but it's not God that needs to shift in that case. It's us that need to shift. It's us that need to shift our perspective. It's us that need to actually reorient our values. And some of the things that are important to us right now ultimately need to decrease, but they're only gonna decrease in importance if, if the amount of value we place on them decreases. But the thing about values is values, values aren't just simply about uh, reducing the value of some things. It's, it's also about replacing them with other things of more value. Those of you in, in, who, are, who are avid gardeners, you know this. You can be out in your garden, your garden bed, and you can be pulling out weeds and pulling out weeds and pulling out weeds. And then you go back inside and you come out two weeks later, guess what? More weeds. So you pull out more weeds and you pull out more weeds and you go back inside and you come out two weeks later and more weeds. If only everything in my garden grew as well as the weeds grew, the best way to stop weeds growing up is put something else in their place. The best way to actually take down the importance of certain values is replace them with other values. And that's what we're gonna be doing and looking at these next three weeks. How to get what you really want, not the superficial or the selfish, how to get what you really want. <clears throat> But I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I don't want to. I don't want to get vicious emails from you at the end of January, Mark. I came for the four weeks that you asked, and it's January 31, and I still don't know what I really want. Don't even think about it. click and send on that email. All right, you can put it in your drafts folder for deleting later on. Because actually, nobody can answer this question for you. I can't. The person next to you can't. You might want to answer it for someone else. <laughs> do not do that. This is not 
elbow nudging spouse month. (laughs) This is not boss listen to this podcast month. (laughs) This is not send transcript of key message points to parent month. (laughs) This is you taking time to look behind the curtain and, and actually look into a realm that, that many of us don't spend time looking into. And the great news is, the great news is how to get what you really want is hidden in plain sight. But you have to go looking for it. And thankfully, the reason it's hidden in plain sight it's, is it's a realm that Jesus spent a lot of time focusing on. And so over these next three weeks, we're gonna focus on the things that Jesus valued and the things that he taught, that he instructed us to value. But you are responsible for being here and only you in this journey can get to the place of discovering what you really want. I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna teach my butt off, very weird visual metaphor. Um, <laughs> be here and, and come with hearts open. And, I, and I'm really praying. We don't just pluck random message series out of thin air or that'll do. It's very strategic, this beginning of the year, how to get what we really want. It's hidden in plain sight. Now, before I finish and break my iPad, let me ask one question. At the start of this year, the greatest decision you can make is to actually start following Jesus. Like I said, for James, his brother, he'd actually grown up around Jesus and it wasn't until he saw Jesus risen from the dead that he decided to follow him. You may have grown up around church, but you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. I wanna give you the opportunity to make that decision this morning. Or maybe you've never been a part of a church. You've just, you're here. Somehow, some way, God's kind of nudged you in through the door and, and here you are. And, and yet, you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. That's cool. But we wanna give you that opportunity to make that decision now. And all I want you to do, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, is just in a moment, just put your hand up and, and you're saying to him, yeah, that's me. I'm in. I'm here. I'm in. I wanna follow you. And I'll pray for you, but like from here and you sit there, won't get weird. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Real quickly, as I look around our auditorium, just slip your hand up. You say, yeah, that's me, that's me. I'm gonna start this first Sunday of 2018 and and make a decision to start following Jesus. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then I said, we'll pray. 